people connect to me? Wait, there's probably a few more. So let's go this way. First of all, let's do grade levels. How many of us are teaching K through four, early elementary K through four? Okay. Yep, we got thanks for you in this talk. That's awesome. Next, how many are in five through eight, somewhere in the middle grades? Okay, that's this is kind of what I was focusing on, but stuff for you. Is there anybody that happens to slip in that's nine through twelve? I know there's probably yeah, okay. Uh, there's things at the end, so hang on to the end, and you'll be part of us as well. Um, and then the second survey is um, how many of us teach in Michigan? Okay, that's good because a lot of the things I talk about are actually mostly available in Michigan, but not all. And so I'm here from Illinois. Oh, that's great, okay, because some of the stuff applies to you. Uh, Wisconsin, yeah, you can make the trip in. And then Indiana, yeah, there's a two. Okay, awesome. Wait, is there anybody that's not from one of those four states? I guess I should have asked that. Okay, good. And then last question, um, uh, second last question. How many of you have actually participated with your students in a math triathlon or math event in the past? Yeah, I kind of thought so. Okay, that's fine. That's awesome. So some preaching to the choir. That's good. Amen, that's appropriate. Um, and then lastly, um, how many of you actually had me as a professor in the 1990s? Yeah, a few, okay. How about the 2000s? Uh -huh. How about the 2010s? Uh -huh. How about the 2020s? Okay, All right. So, um, yes, you should have a handout. It doesn't come with answers, but there are two ways you can get the answers. I have exactly one. That's one. There's a copy of the answers. I'll put it here. You can run it and get it later. But there's a much easier way to get them. If you go to the CEA website and go into session handouts, the answers for exactly what I've handed you are available. And if you didn't get a handout yet and you want a copy of the answers, you can also take this. That's fine. Okay, so we're here, presumably, because we're connected to math in some way. We teach it at some appropriate grade level. So you're in the right place. And if you're not, how do you sign up for this course? Okay, whatever. This time. We're good. Um, so. We're going to spend probably the most of our time talking about two different math events. And yes, one was part of my time at Trinity. It's still going, and I invite you to participate. And the other is uh, new. Uh, it's only in its third year this year, and is hosted by Calvin, but actually at local schools. More on that, and Beth mentioned she served as a host this last year. All right, so in your handouts, I guess I should say, you have the cover sheet, that's this, and after that, that's kind of useless, and then the part on back is at the very end, and that has two critical email addresses. Mine, which you're welcome to use, and my former colleague at Trinity is still there, Sharon Roberts. And if there are things, and you're from Illinois, Indiana, Wisconsin, or even Michigan, and you want to drive to Chicago do that, uh, contact Sharon. Okay? So that's that. And then the rest of it are those sample materials, and you should know, those are sample materials from grades 5 and 6, grades 7 and 8, and the team event, which is designed for grades 5, 6, 7, and 8 to work collaboratively. So you can look at them and kind of appreciate them for what they are. You can be solving problems if that's how you work best in talks like this. Solve the math problems, and if you have questions at the end, well, I have an answer to you, so we're good. So you'll see this slide periodically. This is showing you where we are and where we're going. Uh, we have each of us introduce ourselves, and yes, I'm... Dave Kleinerman, I've been teaching at Calvin. This is my fourth year. I taught my students I'm a senior this year. I don't know if that means anything. Um, but I was at Trinity the previous 28 years and had a chance to teach students like Alyssa there. Uh, we're going to talk first about math events, and that's primarily focused on grades 3 through 8. So if you raise your hand, pay close attention. And then we'll transition to math nights. And if you're in grades K through 5, that's your time to shine. And then math centers, which till now is focused on grades 2 and 3. It's not that it couldn't focus elsewhere. But if, particularly if you're in Michigan and you teach grades two or three, you really want to pay attention there. Thanks for joining us. And finally, uh, math circles are an all play. Uh, for the students, it's really grades five through eight. 
but if we start a circle or if you participate in one elsewhere, that's K through 12. And then questions, and I promise I'll give you back those four and a half minutes at the end. All right, so first, um, a little bit of the history of these math events. And I'm going to talk about my kids. Can I talk about my kids just for a moment? So some of you taught my kids. Thank you for doing that. Some of you know my family. If you have me in class, you've probably heard me talk about my kids at different points. So I, I have a daughter and a son. My daughter, Sarah, um, she joined the family business. So she teaches at Marion University. Um, she's actually a mathematician, an algebraic topologist. I am not a mathematician. I teach mathematics, which I love, and I do. Uh, but she's the mathematician of the family. And she went through um, the school system in Chicago and had some of you as teachers. And at the time, she was a first, second, third, fourth, and fifth grader. They had something called Math Olympia. Math Olympia. Some of you may still know what that is. And so the thing was, each school was allowed to nominate one, one student per grade level. Actually, it's worse than that. My daughter was part of an association with two grade schools. So one person for two schools, like one out of 80 or something. So my daughter has a PhD in mathematics, right? She's not a slouch in math. She qualified once. That was cool. I think she might have been an alternate another year. But we looked at that and said, that seems awfully exclusive. Cool that they can go, but could we broaden this just a bit? So fast forward to 1993, and Sharon Robert, still teaching at Trinity, and now in her 29th year, I only was there 28th, uh, she was in her faculty interview, and someone asked her the question, how would you continue to excite students about mathematics? And she said, well, you should have a math event. And then she went on. This was the fateful step. She said, I wouldn't focus on the high school because there are things already high school. And by the way, they're getting ready for SAT, ACT, and so forth. But middle school, that would be a right area to start something. And the follow-up question was, and will you help to run it? And she said, and you quote her on this daily, yes, I will help run it. So remember that. She is now then co-chair of the triathlon for 29 years. And that's kind of how we got started. Now, big goal was to get more people involved. Instead of one person per grade, maybe if you're lucky, it was, well, how about eight or ten or even more from a grade level? That would be awesome. And although you could give a speed test, I know that rocket math in early grades, so I didn't mention about my son. So my son um, did not qualify for Olympia, but he got one chance to participate in math triathlon, loved it, and said, this really opened my eyes to a little bit more of what's possible in math. He became an engineer. He got his degree in mechanical engineering. And he didn't have to do this. I didn't tell him to. He took one extra math course and got a minor in math, which was really cool. And by the way, his current job is a climbing arborist. <laughs> oh, what? <laughs> yeah, so the senior year, he gets this call to mom and dad. He says, you know, I'm applying for these engineering positions, but after my internship last summer, just not into the cubicle life and so forth. So I really have a passion for the outdoors. I want to climb trees with chainsaws. <laughs> so, so I said, okay, this is awesome. I got like three questions. First question. What do you plan to do when you're 40 and can't climb trees? So, well, you're usually a manager. He's actually already a manager now. Cool, okay. Do they have good health insurance? Just say, you know, up in the air. And he said, yeah, they got great health insurance. Okay, great. Do they have a retirement plan? Oh, yeah, they do. Salaries? Actually, about as much as the first year engineer. Wow, sign up today. This is great. So, he, he works in Grand Rapids, with, and he's here with his wife. We see them regularly. Life is good. So, our kids both interacted with this. But it was all about the broader participation. It was that, although speed isn't relevant in math at times, we'd much prefer to focus on the power when possible. And we broke the initial event into three different competitions. An individual event, and you have samples in front of you. This is a newer version, but same idea. 20 questions in 30 minutes. Plenty of time. Plenty of time. People usually have time to doodle. A team event, and you'll see a sample in your packet. Five questions. 
with subparts, yes, with subparts, but five questions. And you're working as a group, more on that later. And lastly, the relay. So the way it works now is there's a table of judges, and they're behind the table. And then there's the no-go zone. That's where the students are running back and forth. We do not want to get in that zone. And we used to, at one point, have them pass the pencil the time and thinking, oh, it would have been soon. No, no. So now the pencils stay on the table. This is great. And then they just take turns, right? Take turns. And then we try to get as many prizes out as possible, including randomly chosen winners. Um, and we also have guessing games, at least in non-COVID times. We would have a thing with some candy, and they guess how much is in there. Closest one gets the, gets the candy. So we started this a year after my colleague Sharon Robert joined Trinity, 1994, and we had seven schools and 90 students, and this was like an insane amount of people, like, wow, and we were in the top floor of a classroom building at Trinity, and it just seemed chaotic, right? And then, oh, the relay. We made the mistake of making it a linked relay. So you solve the first problem, and then you pass your answer to the next person, and then they had to use that answer to solve their problem. And you, you, it's the telephone problem. There's no way it's going to work. Well, we learned this the hard way. And so that was the only year that it was actually a, a linked relay. Um, this has been pretty wide-ranging. So if you count the events that have been hosted by Trinity, which is the bulk of them to date, and the couple math events hosted at Calvin, at different grade levels, we've had about 60 of these events over those last 27, 8 years. Um, about 9,000 people have participated. Now, to be fair, there are people that have participated multiple times, right? In fact, it's possible if you live in a sh Chicago area school, you could have done six of them before you finish eighth grade, and I'm sure there are some students that have. Uh, but 9,000, still, still a big number. About a decade ago, I told my provost that I plan to retire when the number reached 10,000. So I'm uh -huh. that far away. Who knows? We'll see how that goes. Number of schools, 75. Yeah, uh, over, over time. Um, lots of them in Michigan, Illinois, Wisconsin, and Indiana, not surprisingly. But look at the state abbreviations, and some may kind of jump out at you. So first of all, Iowa. That's because one time and one time only, we had a January term at Trinity where we took it on the road to Iowa, so in like nine schools in uh, California, which was awesome. And then the other states, California, Florida, Pennsylvania, Utah, Washington, how in the world? So these are all graduates who went to teach in those states, wanted to connect their students to the math event, and in this case, the Trinity Math Triathlon. And we said, sure, and we connected them via Skype. And so they were sort of running a parallel event. But when it came time for the relay, we managed to do this in real time, and a little bit unusual, but it worked out, and it was, it was awesome. So lots of people have participated. And with that, let's first talk a little bit about the uh, origin here, the Trinity Math Triathlon, which Sharon and Robert and I uh, created back in 1994, and primarily was for grades 7 and 8, um, Christian schools, in neighboring states, so that's why I asked if you're in Indiana or Wisconsin, you are more than welcome, and many have come to the Math Triathlon in the past. I encourage you to come in the future. There will be an email address for Sharon Robert in a future slide. Um, we're going to get some reflections in just a moment from um, Alyssa McKeever and her experiences as a student, as a Trinity student, and then later as a teacher. But before she does, because she also relates to the second bullet point, it came to go about the year 2000. And the teachers came back to us and said, this is great. This math triathlon is awesome. We'd like to have something, though, for grades 3 through 6 if possible. And so we thought about it, planned about it, and said, yeah, I guess we can do that. So since 2003, they've had a secondary event as well. So Alyssa, why don't you tell us a little bit about your experiences? All right. So um, as a middle schooler, I participated in the math triathlon. And we also did math counts. And math counts was very rigid. You went, we did the test. You sat around, and you took another test, then you left. Um, felt very imposing. 
Uh, if you were in the top 10, you had to go head-to-head, -head, and it was very nerve-wracking, so nobody really wanted to be in the top 10 because it was stressful. Um, and so fast forward, you go, we also went to the math triathlon. And math triathlon, first of all, it was all Christian schools. So you already felt a little bit more at comfort. And so I went to Allendale Christian growing up. And Hudsonville Christian was there and like, well, these are the kids you're going to go to high school with in two years. Um, so it was some ways to connect that way as well. Um, my brother and sister both um, did this as well as a middle school student. And my sister was clearly the math mind um, of the two of them. But my brother actually did the best at the math triathlon um, in their class. And it was kind of... Um, a way for him to shine as something that he wasn't excelling at um, as well. Fast forward, I go to Trinity, um, I connect for interim and do this math triathlon and we traveled to Michigan and we traveled to Wisconsin, um, had a chance to make questions that you would, like the ones that you would see there. Um, and then fast forward a little bit more, I was in math classes that facilitated the three to six event at, um, through one of the classes. So we had a bunch of schools all come to Trinity for that one. And we would, um, we did that and for, I can't remember if it was the three to six or if it was the, one of the fifth through eighth ones. I actually, um, Dr. Panderman was up doing, running around doing all stuff. And so I actually um, facilitated with the microphone, um, talking the entire time. Um, and then my junior year, the last year of interim at Trinity, I, once again, did the um, traveling triathlon, so we went to Wisconsin, went to Michigan, um, was able to um, see the different schools, was able to see how it was run, and then now I'm able to, as a teacher, stay connected and join right on in. And so you did bring your students a couple times to, I guess it was probably Grand Rapids Christian Middle School, yes. yep. for the Trinity Math Triathlon, yes. hosted in Michigan, so yes. they, they did Absolutely. host events there. Thanks. Yeah. And so. Um, this is an important slide. If you are interested in participating this year, and you're in the grades three through this year technically five and six, I talked to Sharon Robert about this. I guess given the restrictions, they wanted to narrow it a bit. And so it's just grades five and six this year. It's November 19. November 19, and that's at Trinity. And if you are interested, uh, her email address is actually on your handout as well, but it's just Sharon.Robert, two Bs, R-O-B-B-E-R-T, at trnty.edu. And I would just send her an email, and it doesn't, it, it's primarily serving the schools that are in Southwest Suburban <laughs> Chicago, but I'm sure there are schools from Indiana that come. It's not that other schools can't come, it's just kind of a long way to, to travel. Um, April 13, next spring, is when they have their next grade 7 and 8 event. And those tend to be quite a bit bigger. They typically have 250, sometimes 300 kids, uh, 20 schools or more. And so if you're willing to take the drive with your kids and you're in Michigan, do it. I urge you to take your kids to Chicago. It's a wonderful experience. It's a full day field trip. But hey, we do these things for athletics and music. And yeah, I'm trying to do it for math. That'd be awesome. Um, there's a website here. And I guess the easiest way, you know what? As time allows, Deanna, I'll show you some of these websites. But that particular website is an archive of about 25 years worth of prior year materials. So you can see the seven and eight events and the three through six. Let's pause here for a moment. So on the seventh and eighth grade event, there's one individual test. The seventh graders take it, the eighth graders take it. It's not always the case that the eighth graders finish high, by the way. But on average, over the years, um, eighth graders would average about 12, maybe out of 20. And, and the um, seventh graders, more like 10. 
uh, out of 20. Now, that's somewhat deliberate. That is, we try to structure the test to cover the standards, Common Core, NCTM, and so forth. We also try to arrange it from difficulty easier to hard, where the first page, we really hope everybody solves every problem correctly, and sort of a, you know, a, a careless error something they do. Pages two and three, problems six through 15, um, a little bit more difficult with more problem solving involved, but there should be things that engage them the full time, and many of them will get them right. Last page, we don't make a lot of apologies. There's some tricky problems there, uh, but we want to keep the high-end students also engaged the, the whole time. So first and foremost, Journey Math Triathlon. It started it, and I fully recommend every one of you to consider bringing your students there. Sharon Robert is the contact person, and there are lots of supporting materials should you be interested in doing so. Okay, transition. Um, I joined Calvin in 2018. Um, love my time at Trinity, by the way, and still am in contact with colleagues, still doing collaborative scholarship with colleagues at Trinity. If there's time at the end, I'll share a current project that involves graphic novels. That's just really awesome. Um, but when I came here, I thought, ooh, we really should continue something for the Michigan area. And it was about that time where the folks at Trinity said, you know what, we just can't keep coming to Michigan. So they're going to host all their events in, in Chicago. So if you're willing to go there, do so. I said, wow, it would be nice to have something here. So the first time I taught the middle grades methods course was during an interim at Calvin, which also no longer exists. So this was January 2020. And we worked with uh, Duffy Christian School and Lynn Vanderwall, and she hosted us. We used their gym for the duration and a few rooms to grade and that kind of thing. And we had 10 schools that came, about 155 participants. It really worked well. We had to modify the competition to meet the new state grade bands, which some of you may know about in Michigan. So there's a grades 5 through 9, and 7, 12, and 3, 6, and lots of other things. But 5 through 9. And both of the students, uh, Sua and Emma, recently took that course with me in 2021. We'll talk a little bit more about their experiences shortly. Um, but because of the state guidelines, I really wanted to have my students get practice writing good problems for those grade levels. So then a couple things. There are a few schools in the local area that participate that really have totally separate campuses for K through 5 and 6 through 8. And we said, you know, that's fine. We can make that work. So we have some allowances that they don't bring fifth graders. Some of them find a way to recruit them anyway, so it works out great. Um, but we have two separate individual tests. You can see them in your handouts, right? There's a grades 5 and 6 test, and there's a grades 7 and 8 test. And by the way, performance data are pretty similar. Um, scores are going to be, on average, maybe 10 to 12. There'll be a few 18, 19, 20s, and a few maybe 2, 3, 4. But the bulk of the distribution, some between 7 and maybe 14 or so. You can take a peek um, at these events, by the way, for individual. We give out a prize. It's actually a medal. It's got the Calvin map event, individual event winner, um, to the top finisher from each school at each grade level. So technically, the only people they're really competing against are the people in their grade from their school. And we try to give out lots of prizes. So five and six separate tests from seven and eight. You can see them. And then the team event comes. And for the team event, they ideally are cross-sectional. So there's a fifth, a sixth, a seventh, and an eighth grader. A little bit more on strategies and optimization later, but for now you see. And that worked great for the first event, and then of course COVID. And so uh, last year we decided to move forward anyway. And at the time the guidance was, well, if you're going to do this, it's going to be small gatherings. And so we had a separate gathering at each school. There were nine of them. We'll hear a little bit more from my students on their own experiences with that. And also from uh, Alyssa as well. Okay. So, you have your handout. Um, I said the answers are on the website. You can get them anytime under session handouts. There's also one, one only copy there. Um, so, I also 
because I'm curious, I track performance by lots of measures over the years. And so grade levels, I let you know, it's typically an average difference of one or two points between fifth and sixth and three and four and seven and eight. But these are like bell-shaped distributions and they overlap heavily. So you can have a <coughs> fifth grader that happens to be the top scorer and so forth. You're probably curious about boys and girls. Um, and the answer is about the same. Their, their, their bell curves overlap tremendously. Um, there's maybe a 1 to a 1.5 point difference. The boys tend to score a little bit higher. They also tend to have a few more boys than girls that come to events. Um, some schools are pretty adamant about making it 50-50. Some have other rubrics for determining participation. Oh, speaking of which, optimizing performance. So there's about five or six schools at, in Illinois area in Indiana that have done almost every available Trinity Match Triathlon, right, for, for years. So we're talking about... 30, 40 some at this point because of both grade levels. And one school in particular caught me and said, you know, we've been doing well. We finished second, third, fifth, sixth, fourth. We really want to finish first. I said, okay. Uh, we have a math club. So this is one of the other things. People have started, schools have started these math clubs. And and they said, would you come and speak at it? I said, sure. And so so I did. They, they'd have their spring math club and I'd, I'd be there on a, you know, early morning before the school day and here's like 20 kids. And I was like, this is awesome for a math club. And after their donuts and orange juice, we're talking about the events and a little bit of optimization strategies. So I said, okay, individual event. Focus on the first two pages. Don't miss any. Those are the ones you really should be getting. And then last two pages, give yourself some time and be creative and so forth. Team event. This is more to the teachers. You've got to be really careful how you form your teams. Um, we, we've had years where people have taken the top four students and put them on a team. And it's been an unmitigated disaster. Why? Because they do not work well together as a team. It's like we had four different people working on the problems. They wouldn't compare answers. They just did not well. Whereas, so the very first year we did the grades three through six event was at Rosen Christian School. And my daughter was uh, allowed to go, and she was a sixth grader. So she was the team leader for her third, fourth. And she said, no, Dad, we decided we first talked about what problems you want to work on and then have a buddy to kind of look at it with you. They did really well, but they were also collaborating with you. Awesome. And then last event, which is relay, um, you might think, you want to line them up from oldest to youngest, and that's probably not the best way either because a relay combines a couple things. You do have to be relatively quick. That's the one event that emphasizes speed. You also have to be a pretty good problem solver, and you have to be accurate. So I told the teacher I was working with, you might want to try a couple relays and see how it works in reality, and then maybe shuffle your lineup accordingly. All right, so enough of me. Let's hear from our students. And first, uh, Sua, and then Emma can talk about what you did last spring specifically, okay? So I'm going to talk a little bit of my experience at the math event. Um, I went to Calvin Christian School, and it, um, it was my first time being there. I saw students who were excited for this event. They were all, like, ready. And one of the things that I really liked was how, um, like, we did it inside a classroom. So students were all focused on um, taking the individual events. When I posted the answers after the individual events, they were all like going over the answers, discussing what they got right and what they got wrong. They were like um, sharing what their answers and thoughts, which was really nice. For the team event, I saw a lot of fifth graders, sixth graders talking with seventh and eighth graders about math. And it was interesting to see how fifth graders were able to give their insights about the question, or even like eighth graders would tell fifth graders about like math. You know those math talks going on. It was exciting for me to see how engaged they were. Um, 
for the last activity, um, no, for the halftime activity, we designed a um, board game called Ticket to Ride. I think um, many of you realize what, um, know what this is. Students were um, working in teams, coming up with strategies. I saw one group coming up um, with strategies to reach the easiest and the most fastest route. Other teams were trying to get what the other groups were. Um, so they were trying to um, get the routes that the other team was taking. So that kind of strategy, they were so excited. Um, and the relay was also a very fun and fast-paced activity. Um, students, uh, while they were doing team events, they were all like standing on their chairs and like really um, into the problems. As you can see in the problems, we have um, questions that are easy to hardest, and we have a lot of like those um, problem-solving questions. So they were able to really um, get into it. And, um, that's great. Thank you. So, uh, and so before Emma gives her input, I want to show you just a couple of photos where the lights are totally down. It's um, easier just to see the photos. So these are a couple of the schools where we hosted the individual event. Uh, we were at nine different schools. And then um, the team events. You can see the students clustered around the tables. And we have a couple pictures from the uh, halftime. Uh, so, the, sorry, this is on the halftime. You see the map is right there. This is during the relay. So they're running back and forth. They're solving the problem. There's the judge. They run back. And then um, uh, a couple of awards photos. So um, more on that in a moment. But I'll give Emma a chance to get her reflections. And also maybe a little bit about the design process. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. So we, me and Sue, were both in a class that helped design the test for the math um, event. And so the way that we did this is we did, took a lot of time looking at standards for 5th, 6th, 7th, and 8th grade math. And from there, we took um, the individual topics of like algebra, geometry, number of operations, and created problems that fell under those standards for that specific grade. So we actually did it between two of our classes, like our middle school math class and then our elementary math class at Kelvin. And we took... And you were in both. And I was in both. To be fair. So <laughs> it was very fun. But... Um, we all, we had probably 200 problems between all of us um, students at Calvin, and so we all created different problems, and then as our 327 class, um, we took all of these problems and did a draft for like two days of taking different problems from different people that we all agreed on and liked the most, so <laughs> it was a very fun process, but um, we made sure to cover the different standards in all of the uh, grades, so 5th, 6th, 7th, and 8th and doing like having a mixture of algebra, geometry, number of operations, statistics, measurements, all of those. So that is how we made them and we did the 5th and 6th grade and 7th and 8th grade tests together. So it started easier, went harder. That was kind of our construction of the test. And with the halftime design, you were actually in the same yes. design team. So for our 327 class, we were split into different groups and me and Sua and one other girl were all coming up with different halftime events. So he, uh, Dr. Kleinerman gave us the example of doing Clue, that another Clue is a student, math addition to be Yeah, so, so it's like answering math questions. Weapons of math instruction and oh, mathematicians and famous math places. Anyway. Yeah, it was really cool. So then after he gave us this very impressive one, he's like, you guys can come up with your own. So it's a little hard for us. And she remembers that. So, too. Yeah. So we, I liked the idea of taking a game that we already all kind of knew and putting a math twist on it. So I was like thinking of games that I played with my family in my head, and I know Ticket to Ride was one of them. So I kind of was like, hey, why don't we take this game, but like make it a very, very simple version and incorporate math in it. 
So the way that we did it is we had that map of the whole United States, and like your idea from Ticket to Ride is you get two destinations. You get like from New York to Los Angeles, and you have to connect it using like little segments on there. And so we would give the students two destinations and be like, you have to create these two destinations, and we'll go around and you'll get to answer math questions. And the way that you get from one place to another is you go from one city to another. And I think the blue cities, you had to answer two math questions right. And the red lines were you they were longer routes. Yeah, because they were a little bit longer, so we made them a little more difficult. And then the red one is just like you answer one question. If you get right, then you get that little chunk. And so the kids are very excited about that. But yeah, and I will say the goal of a halftime activity is to do something that connects to mathematics in a way, gets the students working from different schools, and it should be an engaging activity. We achieve those goals. It's a total win. And then Alyssa was kind of nodding as we went along here because, and well, okay, tell your story too. So this spring you were actually at New Era. Yeah. So um, New Era is kind of way up there. And um, Dr. Granderman uh, contacted me and said, I'd love you to still be a part of it. However, I realized that you're pretty far away and I don't think I can send the students all the way up there. So he um, said, you run it before. And you run it at your school. So I did. Um, we ran, uh, we were supposed to have it in the gym. It was taken up with something else. So we made do in other parts of the school and uh, had our kids participate. It was um, a very different experience than being with everyone else. Um, but for our little tiny school, who's used to not being with a bunch of other kids anywhere, um, I think they appreciated part of that just because it wasn't the intimidating, all these schools that are big and have all these people there. It was just us and just their familiar um, area. So, and then I was able to um, just type in all, I graded everything for our school, my school, typed it into a spreadsheet and sent it his way and he took care of the rest. That's awesome, yeah. And so we had to modify the award ceremony a little bit. You see some awards being given. Those are the medals being given for individuals that determine it on the day of the event. But of course, there were nine separate schools. All these results were being uploaded to a common sheet. And so I determined later that afternoon the winners of the team event and the relay event and the overall event. And so a little bit to tell you if you participate in one of these events. Um, for the individual event, we rank the schools. And at Trinity, they take the top three scores regardless of grade level. For our five through eight event, we take the top score from grades five, six, seven, and eight. If you don't have fifth graders, we simply take your lowest sixth grade score. That becomes your fifth grade score. We, we work it out. And then a team event, you might have a small school with two or three teams. You might have a large school. There was one that had eight teams this last year. Um, but it's only your top team score that counts. You can have as many as you want to participate, but it's the one that counts. And then the relay, it's based on the total correct answer. Not how many questions you finish, of course, but the number of correct answers. And the big goal with these things is that every student should have a chance to participate at least once during the relay. And with one exception, we've accomplished that goal over 20-some years. This last April during the pandemic, we had a couple schools that brought 32 kids. And one of them got through the whole uh, list. That was at Dutton, I believe, at 32. But then at Zeeland, one of the other larger sites, they only got through 20 or 29. Okay, and it probably comes down to how long you spend in a question. We tell them up front, if you know the answer, write it down. If you think you can get the answer quickly, do it. If you have no idea, guess and move on, people. And so sometimes they kind of sat there and sat there. You know what happens with that. Okay, so what's coming next? Uh, <clears throat> this year, we're going to take a modified approach once again. So year one, we had it one site, and that was great. But we're limited to 155. That's maxing out the gym and Dutton and the 10 schools, and we can't really go much bigger. But my eyes were open when we were at nine different schools, and everybody could kind of host something. Yeah, this is great. And in particular, you saw a couple pictures from 
not Zealand Christian School, but the church that's next door. It's a Reformed church. I should know the name. Anyway, it's next, next door. And that was just a wonderful space. It had a large um, multi-purpose room and then a, just a mammoth grading room, which was really necessary and helpful. And so I talked to Jeff Minkus at uh, Zealand and the person that took over for Vanderwall, I'm not remembering, uh, Andrew, somebody at, um, at Dutton, and, and they both said, yeah, we can do this. So March 22, if you're in the Michigan area, I guess if you really want to drive in from elsewhere, I'm not going to stop you, but if you're in the Michigan area, March 22, we have two locations that you can access. One is in Zealand, and the other is uh, Caledonia or Dutton. And our goal is to have between 250 and 300 total participants, and somewhere between 16 and 18 schools. I say it varies because the two host schools will probably ask to bring more kids. So over the years at Trinity, we said hard stop, 16, that's maximum. They can all be 8th graders, they can all be 7th graders, they can be a mixture. And occasionally we get a call from a really frantic teacher, wait, 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 I've got like 17, and I can't really make the cut, and there's going to be all kinds of chaos if I do. And we said, bring them on, we'll, we'll figure it out. And so not normally we have sort of an um, exhibit exhibition division, so, so people would still be participating, and they don't really care which, how things get right. So because we've made it a little bit larger than the 16th in a few cases, this year we're going to raise the limit to 32. Um, however, if your school comes and brings 10, that's awesome, or 12, or 8, or 16, really. However you want to arrange it is fine. And in that case, just contact me. It's dbk6 at calvin.edu. And I'm going to be contacting the schools who participated the last two times first and figure out if they're coming and how many students, and then I'll start opening it up. But if you contact me, you're going to be first in line. Okay, I think that's what I have to say about the math events. Let me pause there. And I know several of you have participated at these events. Anybody want to offer any kind of experiences you've had from your kids, either at a Trinity Math Triathlon or a Calvin Math event? I claim that they're largely the same concept with small variations. I've got people that have done this way back in the day. So how, when did you first start coming from Wisconsin, Matt? Probably 96. 96, okay. One of my first students, by the way. That's well, awesome. Like Dr. Kleinerman said, it, it's, a, it's a field trip. You take your best kids and you make it a field trip, and it, it's an honor to be part of it, and they love it. Yeah, and, and if they go, they come from Wisconsin, they go to Chicago, you make a day of it, go out to McDonald's and have a little tour of the campus, and it's a good time. All right. I would add one other thing yes, to but. that, too. Taking your best kids is great, but if they don't work as a team... It's not going to be the best. Some of us have learned the hard way, right? Yeah, and you probably know. So I've seen teams that are all girls and teams that are all boys and teams that are mixed, and that may or may not be the key determinant. But what really does determine it is if they are willing and able to collaborate well. Yeah, we've had famous cases where kids would win the individual because they're just a top student by a long distance, but their teams would be a fail because they couldn't coordinate what's going on. Yeah. Any other input? This is great. This is great. Okay. So I'm going to leave this one to the side. So as I promised you, we're doing math events, and those were the two. And now we're going to transition to a second category. So um, math nights. And this is grades K through 5. And it started, actually, at my kids' school in the late 90s. Um, did Becky Shasma come today? Is she around? I don't know. She signed up. Anyway, she, she was one of my students and also one of my kids' teachers. The first time at the parent-teacher conference was a former student. That's interesting. That was awesome. <laughs> anyway, it was a really good experience. But uh, before my kids got to those grade levels, in the late 1990s, they hosted a math night at the school where my kids were attending. And so every one of the teachers from kindergarten through fifth grade, I think at the time they had two per grade level, uh, hosted a room. And, and they would have two or three different activities. And there were some just incredibly wonderful things. So there was a fourth grade room where one of the activities had straws 
and they're either twisties or pipe cleaners, but you're doing two-dimensional into three-dimensional. I thought, this is really awesome, right? So that was great, and, and my, my daughter really loved it. And another teacher from the first grade had this one where they were measuring this uh, distance in footprints, right? And so first they asked the parent to do it, right? And then they asked the kid, to, and then you're having a discussion about, wait, wait, it's 12 for me, it's 8 for you, what's going on here? So bring in non-standard measurements. Um, a little friendly warning, though. Um, you do want to vet the activities carefully, because I had this one other room I won't identify other than to say it involved rolling a die. That was harmless enough. And if it's odd, you would move back two steps. And if it was even, you would move forward two steps. And the goal of the game was to start at zero and get to 20. A moment's reflection will tell you that on average, if you're going odd and even, you're going to stand up right at zero. And so I saw a whole bunch of parents playing the game with a kid, and they're being frustrated. If I say, no, let's move on, kid, okay? And I, I come to sit down with my son. I said, we can do this game, and we may have fun with it, but I just want to let you know. <laughs> so uh, moral of the story, you might want to consult. Um, okay, so math things. Um, fast forward about uh, five or ten years uh, to 2003, we started this um, middle grades math class, which probably took summer long, I'm sure, Alyssa. And I was co-teaching with Mary Webster Moore, who's a phenomenal uh, person, now retired. And so we, we packed a lot of things in that class. But one was to have our own students host rooms for a math night. And so we had them teams of two or three, and they had to have a theme. And the theme for the whole thing was the places you'll go, like Dr. Seuss. And so they had a passport. They get stamped a passport. And when they finished that, they'd get the cookies and the punch, of course. And so we had rooms that were outer space and rooms that were the mountains and the oceans or whatever. But all of them were based on math activities. And then we did it three times. Also something insane. I never do it again. But first school had like 35 people there, uh, parents and kids. We thought, this is great. Next time, there were 110 that showed up. Whoa, okay. And then the last one was somewhere in between. Um, so your school could do this, right? Your school could have a math night if you haven't already done so. You might want to connect with a local university, Calvin, Trinity, can be other schools, of course. Um, and it's ideal for grades K through 5. As a teacher, you get a chance to design some of your best engaging activities and then watch a whole parade of parents come through with their kids. Just a wonderful experience. I would encourage you to uh, consider that. All right, so less on the math lines, frankly. A little bit more on the math centers. And you see a nice example of one here that uh, Emma will talk about in a little bit. So this one has a little bit more history to it, too. So let me start with the story at, um, at Trinity. So the concept here is that typically pre-service teachers that are taking methods courses with me or somebody else will design a learning center, such as this one here. So try full board. And there actually are a total of four math activities on the board. Uh, they're usually assigned a particular content area, numbers and operations, right. But it might be geometry, it might be measurement, the, you know, patterns, and so forth. And then they are trying to design activities that link to specific standards from the Common Core at that grade level. So you can see the face validity of the project for my students, right? You get that part. But then comes the payoff. We want to take them to a group of actual second and third graders and try them out. Okay, so... <coughs> um, Let's see. I'm going to go to, well, this one first, which is another example from this uh, most recent effort. And this one actually also numbered operations, but second grade. So we were connected with Evergreen School just down the road. And they actually have a second, third grade split. And so we worked with their principal. This was going to be great. And at the time, things were looking up. And we were going to bring our students there. And this was going to be wonderful. And then COVID. And so, so instead, what we did, well, OK, maybe Emma should take the story there. Yes. <laughs> so first of 
planning for our yes. yes. So first, that's I'm not an art major, so <laughs> that is our tripod thing that um, I made with one of my friends. Um, like Dr. Planman said, we took standards, and I did number of operations, and we specifically focused on fractions in that one. Ah, yes. And so we created four different games, problems, activities where you use manipulatives um, for the students to do. So we had like a pizza one where it's like using yep. fractions of pizzas. We had using the fraction blocks that you like put on each other. So there are more things that are yes. missing here. but So a bunch of things. Yep. Um, and then, so because of COVID we did virtually. And so we met at a room, in, me and my partner met at a room in Calvin. And we did these activities with two students at a time. They'd come, they were like in a big room and would rotate. So they'd come to our station first and we would go and do our activities with them. They had all the materials there and used a lot of them. And we had a bunch of different kids doing all of the different problems. And so like some activities we did harder, some were easier, depending on how well they were focusing in the first couple minutes. But yeah. And you had second and third graders, so you had to do some yes. on the spot differentiation. Yes. yes. Because uh, it was Gary, it was like targeted towards third grade, but yep. we didn't have some second graders, so we had to and the same thing applied to this particular one. I think there were actually three people that coordinated on that particular uh, project. And it was aimed at second grade, but they quickly were scaling up for the students that came through. And then occasionally you had two students that were on the same uh, Zoom call at the time, but were very different. And so then you had to decide you know, how to structure the activity. Maybe they were doing some peer-to-peer -peer coaching as it went on. When, I, when we did this at Trinity, we typically would get a local school to bring their kids to um, the college. And, then, and we would host them in a room by the library. Uh, I think Southwest of Juan came several times, and Calvin Christian may have come a few times. Uh, but now, since I came to Michigan, I thought, well, can we bring this into the school? So, so this also comes with a potential option for those that teach second or third grade. Um, you may indeed want to participate with the math centers. And so I haven't yet finalized the uh, site for the spring. If you think your second or third graders might be interested in partnering with us, it would be perfect if we were face-to-face, because -face, what she didn't tell you is that I actually went to the school, and I took all of those trifold boards, or actually you have the trifold board, yeah. but I had all of the manipulatives and the handouts, and they were in three different spaces throughout the school, so it was a little crazy, and we had to get 12 Zoom calls running simultaneously, that was also fun. Um, but this year, ideally, we would go to a local school. I say local, so if you're within maybe a 15, 20-minute drive of Calvin, then you're in the, the target zone. And if this is something that you think your students might enjoy and you're willing to partner with us, then again, contact me, dbk6, at calvin.edu. Um, so, a wonderful experience. I will say, when we did it at Trinity, it was combined with another um, activity where my students were doing a cognitively guided instruction or a CGI-based interview with the kid, and so, or sometimes pairs of students, and so this was leading to some other work. But as we did it with Emma's class, it was the math center's only. Okay, so math events, math nights, math centers. I know some of you were from the high school and you said, this is great, but none of this relates to me. Okay, I get it. And so lastly, we're gonna talk a bit about math circles, math circles. And actually, this would be the great time if Emma and Sue can help me with those, yeah. So, uh, about four or five years ago, two of my colleagues at Calvin, Jan Cope, uh, she actually retired, but is still involved, um, and also Mike Bolt, so two of my math department colleagues, started what's called a math circle. And in this case, it amounts to a weekly gathering for students in grades six, seven, and eight. So middle school, and they do it in the fall, and they do it in the spring. So the flyer is coming out, and if you don't teach at those grade levels, could you please pass it along to one of your colleagues that does teach at those grade levels? And, and they can either announce it in general or just tell interested students. 
Um, they have about 15 or 18 students signed up this fall, and they start over again. And some of the students may continue to the spring, but then there certainly will be some openings. Um, it's designed to be eight consecutive weeks, but I think if you check the dates carefully for the spring, it's actually nine consecutive weeks because they're planning on a snow day. They figure, you know, Michigan, right? So we'll probably cancel one of those days. Um, and each time they meet, they gather around 3.45 or 4 o'clock. They start at 4, but students get dropped off early. And so they have some mixer games to start. And I've had students, I don't remember if, did you guys help out at that circle? Probably not. Okay. So um, I have other courses where I allow students to be engaged with this. And it, this, uh, this year, um, in the fall, it's on Tuesdays. I have to check the dates, whether it's Mondays or Tuesdays in the spring. Uh, but it's once a week, and from 4 until 5.15, they're working on some focused math activity. It's meant to be inquiry-based, open-ended, problem-solving, collaborative. And I think kids just really enjoy it. So it's sort of like a deep dive, uh, like a team event on steroids. So it really goes into a, a, a far um, exploration. I've actually presented at one of these and did something on what I've called rational tangles, so we have this mathematical jump rope, and it's fun. But more importantly, it's something where the students get engaged. And then I have a couple of my students typically that can help out in their gaining experience, so it really does help everybody. Now, this is focused really at grades, I think it's a sixth or eight on the flyer. I think if you had a really interested fifth grader, they probably would say, sure, bring them on. Um, so let's talk a little bit about more of that. Um, the audience. Our middle school students, again, Grand Rapids Area School, that I doubt you're going to be having them come in from further away. Um, eight meetings, in the case of spring, nine weeks, but they'll meet eight times. And about 15 to 20 students, common professors with some help, inquiry-based problem experiences, inquiry-based. Um, and then if you want more information on that, um, a couple things. There is the flyer, so that should have all the information. I think it should have the website. And again, if there's time, in a few minutes, I'll show you a couple websites, one of which will be the Calvin Math. Uh, circles and it gives information. I think currently the website has the fall dates and the spring dates, and it also tells you how to sign up. There is a modest fee for parents to pay, but it's pretty modest. And the point is that it's a really great way for them to get uh, engaged further into into mathematics. And finally, for everybody that's from the high school level, I really don't want to leave you out here. So the corresponding concept is called a math teacher circle, and a math teacher circle uh, meets typically monthly. And K through 12 teachers, everybody, it's an all-play event. And we usually will uh, meet from like 6 or 6.30 until 8 or 8.30, one night a week, you know, about once a month. And uh, we'll, we'll have, usually almost always comes with food, so that's cool, you get free food. And then more importantly, you have a chance to um, collaborate with other teachers, but again, it's on some inquiry-based learning. So it's possible that some of the topics that you talk about, you can actually use in your classrooms, although that's not necessarily the goal. The goal is to have some uh, math activities where you're also acting as a learner as much as thinking about it as a teacher, how would I use this? Um, and so it's the collaboration piece, it's the inquiry learning piece, and I was involved with it when I was in Chicago. There were about four or five colleges that participated, including Trinity. And typically, each of us would host one of the gatherings uh, each year. And so I moved away. Um, my colleagues at Trinity kept it up. I'm not sure if they're still connected, but it's still going. And I, I wanted to share a little bit about that. So uh, if you're in the southwest Chicago area, Illinois, this is your opportunity. And I can show you the dates for next year. They just had one this week, so you missed it. Sorry, it was the 18th. It was on Monday. It was at Lewis University. But the next one is February 24. It's at St. Francis, again, southwest suburbs. And the last one this year is May 3, College of DuPage. 
I noticed there only were three this year. I think they canceled them because of the pandemic the prior year. But before that, it was like six times a year, three fall, three spring. That's kind of the goal. And Amanda Harshi is the key contact person at Lewis. Again, I can connect you with that either if you email me or we can take it from there. Um, her email is just Amanda dot, and it's H-A-R-S-Y, gmail.com. Um, but let me go back here a moment and say that there is not currently a math teacher circle in West Michigan. And when I interviewed for my job at Calvin, I said, hmm, on my list of things eventually I'd like to pursue would be a math teacher circle. Now, there's only so many hours in a day, things are finite, um, but, but I'm still interested in it. What it would require is probably a two or three teachers that are willing to not only participate and come regularly, but probably help to organize. Um, we can seek funding outside. There's a national organization. There's about 70 to 80 of these mass circles around the U.S. and a couple in Canada. Um, there is one or two in Michigan, but nowhere near Grand Rapids. And there's, like I said, the one in southwest suburbs of Chicago. I think there's another one on the north side of Chicago. But we could start one in West Michigan. I could see us partnering with, with Hope or Aquinas or some other schools, frankly. Uh, but we also would have to have a few teachers. And they don't have to be high school teachers. They can those middle school, elementary. It's really that you catch the spirit of it and want to be involved. And so I'll have a slide coming up shortly, which will have contact information. And it's actually on the back of your handout. So if you take the handout, first page, flip it over, you see my email there. And if you have any interest at all in participating in a math teacher circle, then shoot me an email. And if you might be interested in doing a little bit more than just coming, let me know that, because I probably have to have a critical mass before I, I launch that idea. Okay, so you have Amanda Harshi's information. And then, so I just have a couple last things, and I'm going to open up to questions, and I promise you, you get your four and a half minutes back. So first, there are two important references I just want to share with you. So there was an article in 2018, probably recent, with colleagues, of course, including Amanda Harshi, including Trinity folks, on starting a math teacher circle. So you can learn more from that. And then, um, if you're wondering more about where math nights and math centers and math events came from, uh, this was an article that I published again with my colleagues at, uh, at Trinity. Uh, that was in 2013. Okay. And if you're interested, I can send you the full citation. Okay. And so lastly, um, if you have um, additional things you want to follow up with me, I'll take questions in just a moment. You can also ask my colleagues as well. Uh, but if you want to do something more with Trinity's math triathlons, three, five and six this year, or seven and eight next spring, uh, contact Sharon Robert. If you're interested in participating in the Calvin Math events of Race 5 through 8, uh, March 22 next spring, contact me. Uh, if you are potentially interested in, in a math center and being a host school, and you're probably close to Calvin, contact me. If you're interested in a math teacher circle, at least in concept, again, send me the email. We'll go from there. And I get one more plug before I open for questions. So I am currently working on a project with a colleague at Trinity, Bill Moore Cornell, whose expertise is in English and in education, and he's written the book literally on using graphic novels and teaching English and teaching other areas. But he's now working on a book on using graphic novels to teach STEM courses. That's right, science, technology, engineering, and math. And he brought me in, I brought my daughter in, she brought her husband in, so we got an awesome writing team. And we have a contract, so we're writing the book, but that's for next year. So come back and catch the graphic novel talk. Okay, let's open it up for questions. Comments or questions you have on all things math. Yep, go ahead. Just where the session handouts are. Yes. Like how to access. Yeah. Okay, so let's go to websites. I can exit this and show. And yeah, I, I actually had to ask this morning, so don't don't feel bad about that. 
Um, so here are my websites. So if you go to the conference website, and that is ceateachers.org, ceateachers, all one word, .org, and then you can either do forward slash handouts, or when you get to the site, go to the far right where it says 2021 conference, and one of the initial options are session handouts. And when you open it up, go to my session here, and those three links are the answer keys for the three things that are circulating. Also, I sent an answer key around at that end that's probably making its way around the room, so if you want to just check a few answers, you can use the paper copy as well. Hopefully it addresses your question. And while I wait for other questions, I'll just show you a couple more websites. Okay, so let me make this bigger. Uh, so first, this is the math teacher circle in Chicago. See this better so and so this, uh, we all got t-shirts. You get a free t-shirt, too. Um, so here, and some colleagues from Trinity. Um, Amanda Harshi, she's the one from Lewis that runs it now. Former colleague, of Mandy Maxwell from Trinity, and so forth. And this was at a, a May two-day event where we had multiple sessions. That was awesome. But this website gives you more information and when things are coming. If you're in the Chicago area. I don't have one yet for West Michigan because we don't have one yet. Uh, Mass Circle, you have the flyer, but this is the website. Notice it gives you the time and locations. Yep, you can find us at Calvin, sure. Um, it gives you the costs. It's $80, $80. so it's 10 bucks a week, basically. Okay? I think they do that just to make sure that they have some level of stake in it, and they want to come. Um, and then they have um, this fall, and these are the four topics they had already. Uh, the factors and multiples, it was interesting because I had two of my students helping out, and they said, you know, we just talked about this in a lab in our own class. I said, yeah, that's not surprising, okay. And then uh, four more to come. And then the spring, they actually have um, the uh, topics already tentatively listed. It looks, oh, no, sorry, that's winter 2020. Okay, so I, I suspect they still have to update it with the, but you have the dates on your handout. And then lastly, uh, this is a rather powerful website that Trinity has set up. And um, so the link, again, I can send it to you, uh, but the point is that it has all archives for grades three through six prior events. And if we go to the individual events, here's a, a grades three through six from 2013, which you may have helped to write, come to think of it. And um, so th there's your typical. This is the three and four test, right? And there's also one for uh, five and six, and it kind of runs the gamut there. So long way of answering her question. Sorry. Other questions you have about all things mess. And you should get Oh, that's a really good question. Um, send me an email and I'll try to give you more information. I'm sure I could probably find some details on what my students created. Um, I could also go on my memory of what we experienced from the school day. It's a really cool thing. The, the basic idea is if you do it for K through four or K through five, each teacher has to buy in and say, I'll host two or three activities. And then it's kind of their creativity. But just make sure that not all the activities are number operations, they're not all geometry. So if you kind of divide and conquer, I suspect it will work out reasonably well. Other comments, questions? Getting close to my four and a half minutes. Hold on. Okay, technically we have two more minutes before the four and a half minutes, but I'm happy to add two minutes earlier than that. Yes, go ahead. Are math nights typically for a certain age group, or are you just... So at Tinley Park, where it was in the 90s, it was open to all parents and their kids in grades K through 5. And when we hosted them from Trinity, we had the same restriction. And so I, I, we would have turned away the middle school parents if they came. But the activities were really focused. And that's the other answer to your question. Each teacher should design activities appropriate for their grade level. 
maybe with an enrichment or looking forward uh, kind of mindset. But you want to have the cross-section so that when the third grader comes, they can kind of dance around and get their tap in this room and that room and get the full experience. Yeah, great. Any other comments or questions? They're all good. Okay, I'll stick around for a few minutes, but thank you all for coming. Enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you.